Hi everyone, welcome to the pod. Today we have my younger sister Dia sharing her birth story of her oldest son, Akil, who she had at Cedar Sinai Hospital in LA. She talks about what happened when she went to the hospital really early on in her labor and what it was like to have her healthy son taken to the NICU without her not knowing what was really going on. It's a good one. Take a listen. Hi, Dia. Thanks for joining us on the pod. Hi, Anise. Happy to be here. So do you want to start with the oldest one first? Yes. Let's start with Akil. Okay. How was your pregnancy just in general to kind of give us a context to things leading up to your labor? The beginning of my pregnancy was really rough. I was shopping at the grocery store and um, knew immediately that I needed to throw up. So I was like thinking, where in the world is the bathroom in this grocery store? And finally, I saw a trash can, ran to it and vomited and immediately knew that I was pregnant. We were trying. So I bought a pregnancy test. It was positive. And then basically the next eight weeks, I was constantly vomiting, not moving like it was rough. Mm -hmm. Um, But as soon as I hit that 12 week mark, really all of the the morning sickness and nausea um, went away, which was great. But that first three months was really um, hard. I did not have any energy. I lost a lot of weight. Um, it was hard, but then it went away, which I know was not the case for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I was grateful for that. So then, um, fast forward to, um, giving birth. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, I, started feeling contractions. Obviously this is my first time. So you don't know really what to expect. Mm-hmm. I specifically remember being in what I felt was excruciating pain. So I thought, okay, this is definitely it. <laughs> it is time. These cannot be Braxton Hicks. Um, and- so give us a picture. Where are you living at this time? And are you married? What's going on? I am married and we were trying for Akil, mm-hmm. we were living in Los Angeles. Um, I was 27 at the time. I don't know if that makes a difference, but good information to have. Um, and it was September. And, you know, we have in California, we have really late summers. So it was really hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been doing all my walking. Like I was doing running Canyon every weekend, like trying to make sure that I was staying healthy and being strong and preparing for the birth and it was around his due date. And I think we were like walking around at the Grove at first when I started feeling some initial contractions and those weren't too bad. But then as time progressed, they got a lot worse as they tend to do. Um, And so I was like, okay, once I was really having to pause to really breathe through them, I thought, okay, we need to grab our hospital bag and and head to the hospital. Mind you, I did not, with Akil, I didn't have a birth plan. I knew that I didn't want a C-section. That was really important to me. 
I had watched that documentary, The Business of Being Born. And so my only plan was don't get Pitocin because it seemed like that was a slippery slope to end up having a C-section. Mm-hmm. So that was really my only plan. Don't have, don't let them give you Pitocin. Don't have a C-section. So we head to the hospital, Cedar Sinai, to and try to get checked in. And what they do is basically take you into this initial room to see how far along you are to decide whether or not they're actually going to admit you. And they do not admit anyone, the nurse told us, until you are four centimeters. I was two centimeters, which let me just say was shocking because I was clearly in pain. I'm thinking there's no way that I'm only two centimeters. Are they really going to turn me around? And so the lady told us, you know, I was, I think it was like 50% effaced. So there was movement, but I was only dilated two centimeters. So she told me that we could walk around. You don't have to go home. Just walk around, walk around. That really helps. So I'm like walking around, walking around. And like we went and got something to eat. I don't even know that I ate, but we're just trying to walk to, to that big mall, the Beverly Center or whatever. We go to that mall, walk around, try to get out of the heat and go back. And I'm three centimeters. So I'm really frustrated. And then finally, my mother, this would have been really helpful information. I don't know, hours ago. She has had five kids. I think that's a good um, tidbit to add in there. She said, every time you have a contraction, just push a little, not a lot. You don't want to like, you know, nothing, not a big push, but just a little bit. And that should help. And, and I push, did, you mean pushing your hand on, on your belly? No, like push, like as if you are giving birth, but like 5% of a real push, like okay. just a swat, slight little push to help move the process along. Got it. I don't know how graphic you want to get, but kind of like if you were pooping, push a little bit. So, um... I did that. And after an hour, that really helped move things along. And so finally, I was like 70% effaced and four centimeters dilated. And they admitted me. And I was like, woohoo. That felt like it was a victory in and of itself. Huh. Little did I know, I really should have just kept walking around. But anyway, <laughs> they admitted me. And then once they admitted me, I felt super exhausted. Like this was just like a six hour process trying to get into the hospital. So that was the whole thing. Anyway, finally get admitted. And of course they want to give, I feel like I felt like they wanted to give me an epidural quickly. And I just felt like I was tired, but I didn't want an epidural quite yet. And so I was not at all opposed to an epidural. Sound like a dream. But I did want my body to do what it could without an epidural for as long as as I could take it. And so I let them know that I wanted to wait. And so I waited and just in hindsight now, I know like once you lay down and you're in the hospital, it's a sterile situation and it does slow things down. And so it really did take quite some time, even though things kept progressing, it took quite some time for me to get to even six centimeters. And by then I was really tired. And apparently my doctor was on, my OB was on vacation and was headed to the hospital. So 
at about six centimeters, I went ahead and got the epidural. And once I got the epidural, then I was just, um, I was able to relax and sleep. And how about how long into your labor was this? This was about 12 hours. Okay. This is about 12 hours in because the whole thing with the keel took about 32. Okay. Total. Okay. Fun. Um, So yeah, this was about 12 hours in. And then I got to fall asleep, which really helped because I can't even imagine if I had not been able to take that nap. Um, they also gave, they gave me an epidural and they gave me some kind of sleeping pill. So it wasn't like a night sleep. It was like, it felt weird, like a weird dream, but also some rest. And it was, it was weird. I I have never had a sleeping pill since, but definitely was a, a weird feeling and an odd experience, but I got some rest and then it was basically like overnight. Like it was like looking at my contractions waiting for my OB to get there. The nurses keep coming back in and check on you and see that progress is happening, which it was. And I remember the nurse, one of the nurses was basically like, okay, you're ready to go. And then she went and talked to another nurse and they're like whispering. I think my doctor, they were trying to wait till my doctor got there, but my, I was definitely ready. Like he was ready to come and could have came, but it took, I think another couple hours that next morning for her to get there. And then she came in and basically was like, okay, let's go. Like everything (laughs) was perfectly ready with our timing. And, um, and she came in. So this is gosh, 29 hours later, Mm -hmm. um, from the start. Um, and she comes in and, and we start pushing or I start pushing. There's definitely no we in the pushing. Um, and I start pushing and that part did not take long from when I started pushing to when he was out did not really take very long. Um, I've been told that I'm a good pusher. So, mm-hmm. um, so I push, push and he's, he's coming. There's progress happening. Right. Um, you're there. Right. Mm-hmm. I was there. Yes. You were there. I saw him come out. Husband's there. And then all of a sudden, and I know for sure, because you know how sometimes your experience, you don't really remember everything that happens. And then you get the piecemealed story from everybody else. And you're like, oh, right. I remember. So for a while, I think I forgot about all of the people who came in like toward the end. So she was like, okay, I need a really big push. And in this moment, I'm not realizing like, if I don't push him out now, they're going to use forceps. Um, and so it's a teaching hospital. So all these, these um, medical students come in, it's like eight people coming in. You never want that, obviously. That yeah. <laughs> She's like, we need you to really push on this one. And thankfully I pushed like for dear life. I had like red spots in my eyes the next day. I pushed really, really hard and he came out and they did not have to use the forceps. And then, um, she, the, one of the students, like, you know, that initial suction that they do on the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, I said a student, but yeah, a medical student or an intern or whatever yeah. did the suction. And apparently Akil had swallowed some meconium 
And so then they had to take him to the ICU, which really, when you've never had a baby before, and also you don't know what all these things mean, it felt like such a like shock. And also I'm still, I'm barely recovering. I'm like, just trying to slow my heart down and take deep breaths. So my husband, Bilal follows the baby to the ICU so that he can see what's going on. And I'm literally just like laying there. I tore a little bit. So she had to do two stitches. And so I'm laying there getting stitched up and my husband's gone. The baby's gone. It felt really like I started to get really cold. You know, you're all exposed. Like it felt a little lonely and sad too. Like you just did this thing and you, I don't know if it's movies or what, but you expect like your baby's going to come to your breast. You're going to have this skin right. to skin and then your husband's going to be there holding your hand and you're going to have this. It was very different. I'm just like, okay. And you just lay there and then you wait to basically birth the, um, oh my gosh, what's it called? What I'm not thinking of. Placenta. Placenta. And, um, and then get stitched up. And then um, finally, I mean, it took it took quite some time for for my husband to come back into the room and tell me what was going on. He's okay. They he was a massive baby in the ICU. Like those babies are pre preemies, and so they're tiny. <laughs> it feels like this big old almost eight pound baby in there. And he kept pulling the um, the IV that they had in him. I mean, he was fine. I think it was honestly a little overkill, but. It, it was very emotional that he had to be there and away from me at the beginning, um, those first, that first day. And I remember thinking he has to go home with us. They cannot keep him here. He has to go home with us. And I'm grateful that he was able to come home with us. We, we were there for another day. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then we were able to go home, but it was quite an experience and it was, it was really overwhelming because, you know, when you're having your first baby, it's a long process. And so you also have nurses that are changing shifts, <laughs> different people coming in to check on you. And, uh, yeah. and so it feels like, you know, you don't really get to rest and relax in a way that um, feels good when you go home, but it's also like terrifying when you do get to take the baby home. You're like, well, wait, I'm responsible for this little tiny person all by myself. Are you sure this is okay? <laughs> um, but it was, it was quite an experience. And um, there was one more thing that I wanted to add to the, oh, it, okay. Am I, do I have to be super inappropriate? I feel like the one thing that I do not hear people talk about mm -hmm when it comes to birthing is like afterwards, all of the bot, like I never felt more like an animal than when I gave birth. And then when you're breastfeeding, like you really, you really feel like an animal. But the first time that you use the bathroom after you give birth, I feel like people need to talk about that more because it's like another birthing experience post birth. felt like I really birthed that first poop and I was not prepared for that I had never heard any stories about that and um, so you're talking about the pain it was yes. it was painful it was excruciating um and afterwards I feel like as soon as something happens to you then people are like oh yeah that happened to me and them nobody had ever talked about that before I don't remember reading about it in any book mm -hmm. and then 
you basically birth that first poop. And then everybody's like, oh yeah, you know, you could get an enema for that. Or you should have asked for, I'm like, okay, well, nobody said this. This is not in any of the birthing books. Why is this not talked about? Um, but I felt in a lot of ways that that was equally as, and maybe that's just my experience, but I've heard other people say that, yes, okay. that was. And maybe that's with a vaginal birth too. Oh, good point. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. And I imagine the harder you push. Yes. The more that could be. Sorry, we just went south, <laughs> literally. Uh-huh. Um, that's funny. Anyway, so yes, that was my experience with Akil. I had a very, very, very different experience with my second one. Okay. And also, you know, I, I don't know, like, I don't have any scientific evidence that this is true, but with my older one, since he wasn't able to do that initial skin to skin contact, we did have a harder time. Like he, he, my, I feel like it was harder for me to soothe him when he was a baby. And my husband had a lot easier time soothing him than with my other birth where Amir, we did immediate skin to skin contact and breastfeeding. And he was much easier to soothe for me. Um, and I always think about that. Like, I wonder if that had anything to do with not having that initial like bonding that I think is really important. Interesting. That's good that you brought that up. We don't know, but yes, I think that's, that's very good to something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So in general, if you look back on Akil's birth, what, how, what do you think? What are your thoughts that come up and how do you feel? With his birth, I, what I learned from that experience and definitely took into my second birthing experience is to not rush the, to the hospital if you don't have to, because every, a lot of things are out of your hands once you get there. Um, and of course you can advocate for yourself and that's super important, but a lot of times that feels like you're wasting a lot of effort and energy trying to get people to listen to what you want. And at home you can just be and do. And so I think, you know, for people who are doing this for the first time to really allow for as much time with that first birth, because it really does take our bodies some time. We've never done it before. Our bodies are meant to do this, but we've never done it before. And so to really allow yourself to, you know, walk around, take a bath, take a shower, whatever, and try to last as long as you can before you go, you know, have your baby at a hospital or a birthing center or, or wherever you're going to have the baby for sure. Um, what else did I not experience? I was not very vocal in hindsight. I think, you know, knowing that my doctor wasn't there, I could have been more vocal, like how far along am I? And I'm ready to have this baby who is the on-call doctor. The second time around, had that happened, I would have felt comfortable and confident in saying that. And I didn't, you know, you feel like, okay, these people are doctors and nurses and they do this all the time and they know what they're talking about and they do do it all the time, but you know your body better than anybody else does. And so, you know, I think a lot of that comes with age too and confidence in trusting yourself. Um, and so the second time around, I, I definitely was more um, ready to be vocal about what I wanted. So 
think those were the key takeaways from that first experience. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing. And we will catch you on the next pod talking about your second birth. Perfect. Okay. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in. If you benefited from hearing this story, please give it a five-star rating and follow the pod. If you think someone you know could benefit, please share it. And of course, feel free to leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. Until next time.